Welcome to episode 74 of the Gumprunners podcast. Chase Thorne, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. Man, Auburn sucks, guys. I mean, let's just break this down from the get-go. These guys are terrible. They're three and four. Their coach is hanging on by a thread. These guys suck. We're going to go over every single play from the Auburn game, starting from the opening kickoff. It's going to be about a four-hour podcast. We're going to go over every single play from the Auburn game. Um, Nothing else really happened in in football this week. So, um, anyway, no, I'm just just kidding. We – we had gump runners. We, you know, when I say so much, I say the way I tend to think about it, I've seen us win so much. I can handle losing a lot better than I could maybe say a decade ago. A decade ago, like we would lose like the a the Johnny Manziel game. I was pissed. I was hot. Uh, I know that was at home. Um, but you know, on the road, 2010, South Carolina, pissed off. It's just it seems like you win so much. And, you know, losing is never acceptable, especially to Tennessee. You hate to see the winning streak die, but it is what it is. When you really look at it, and we'll break this down, Alabama's not hurt. Um, you know, I mean, the fans might have their feelings hurt uh, because of the way the game went. And, well, about, you know, trust me, we'll go over it. Um but, man, you know, Alabama's still exactly where it needs to be as far as the national championship rates, which is, of course, the end goal every single year that Alabama plays football under Nick Saban. Your goal is to win the national championship. That's all still in front of you. Um, just get a general basic reaction. Lester, let's start with you. Um, Saturday, everybody saw the game. You know what happened. Alabama shooting itself in the foot, dropping balls, dumb penalties not getting any help from the Zebras, that all played a part. Uh, dumbass special teams plays, it all played a part. Just give me your general reaction to the game on Saturday. Uh, uh, general, general reaction is, yep, sounds about right. Bound to happen. Um, shit happens. Hey, how many times has Bama gone undefeated to win a natty under Nick Saban? Once, right? Uh, 09 and 2020. Of course, 2020 was that all SEC COVID year, only a 10 game right. schedule, but yeah, technically twice. So you have four more natties that Bama's dropped a game. So, I mean, if you look at how this year has gone, undisciplined penalties, um, just a bunch of just not executing, offense looking bad, BOB looking bad, Pete looking bad. I mean, sure enough, Alabama was going to run into a buzzsaw at some point. It was bound to happen. Luckily, it happened against a SEC East opponent. We're still in line to win the West. Uh, Went out. You're in Atlanta playing for an SEC championship. If you win, you'll be a one-loss SEC championship team, and that's not going to be out of the playoff. But Saturday night, it was just just shitty all around. It's It's... it's just baffling. If any other, what's crazy? If any other team in America plays the same game that Alabama played, they lose to Tennessee by what, at least 14, 17 points. And I'm talking Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, some of the other top teams, they'll lose by what, 14, 17 points if they played the exact same game. Bama lost by three and had multiple opportunities to win that game. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, taking a step back. Two days later after the game, calm down. You know, a broad overlook over the season, it was bound to happen. So, good thing it happened under these circumstances. Um, But, 
it sucks because you're just thinking, you know, what if you just made these one, two plays? What if the, I don't even want to bring up the refs, but what if the refs didn't shit on like these one or two plays? You know, this is a completely different outcome. But either way, if Bam would have won that game Saturday, we would have been pissed. So that might be the most positive outlook. I've listened to, I was, I told y'all I wasn't listening to radio <laughs> today. I did. <laughs> That's the most positive thing I heard. Guys, I heard two people cry on Ryan Fowler's show today. They cried. Okay, I'm being dead-ass serious. So that's the most positive thing I heard today. Listen, instant reaction, um, I guess, from two, 48 hours after the fact is, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, how does things – On which side? Are you talking about offense just, just de- defense just de- I thought, special I thought teams. offense was fine. I thought offense was fine. I just go defense. Special teams? Man, we're we're a we're a commit. We are a penalty committing team. That's who we are. We're gonna block in the back. We're gonna hold. We we that that we ain't fixing that. Okay, defense, guys, y'all. We have the we went from like the number seven pass defense to like thirty first in America. That's how bad this game was for Alabama. We're not. We're the number eighteen now scoring defense. We went from what fourth to eighteenth in one game, and for Nick Saban to come out on his coach's show Thursday and say. I think we got a good plan. We're going to execute it. Dude, I could have told you after the first two drives, that's not a good plan. We might want to change something. That's my biggest issue is that Tennessee did the exact same thing for 60 minutes, and so did we, and we got the same exact result for 60 minutes. But overall, Lester's right. You're still sitting where you want to, where you want to be. I don't think a one loss – I don't think a non-conference champ is going to get in this year. Um, so you are got to win the SEC probably to get in. Ohio State's going to get in. Clemson's going to get in. The SEC champion's going to get in. If you have a one loss um, or potentially still an undefeated Big 12 in TCU or one loss Pac-12 champion, which looks like Utah can pretty much run the table over there now, um, they're probably going to get in the college football post. So you got to win the SEC anyways. Lester's 100% correct. But, man, it's just – it's kind of like what I told you guys last week is that we're playing with fire. Eventually it's going to catch up with us. But I'm not so sure that some of these things that we're doing are, are super fixable. I mean, we've set a record for penalties twice this year. Two times in one year we have broken the record for penalties for Alabama football in a game. We've given up the most points under Nick Saban, but also the most points since 1906. Um, and I said it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty, and I don't know how many things that you can fix because we haven't really played any elite competition, neither in Tennessee. But the only difference between our two teams is I think offensively pretty, at least from with Bryce Young on the field, have about the same level of offense. But, man, our defense is supposed to be good. We knew they sucked coming into this game. We did. Our defense is supposed to be good, and they got absolutely torched. And if you're going to win the, if you're going to win an SEC title – in a national championship, you're going to have to play Tennessee potentially again, maybe the best offense in, in college football in Ohio State to win it all. And I just don't know if Pete Golding's got it in him to stop him. I, I, my biggest takeaway is I cannot believe that Pete Golding is still on staff at Alabama after what he did the first two years here and having the most elite players that we've probably had assembled on that side of the ball, at least top two or three under Nick Saban, which is saying a lot and you give up 52 points. Something's got to change. I know it's not going to be in the middle of the year, but this has got to be Pete Golding's last year calling plays for this Alabama defense because that's just unacceptable. I think that – I believe that everything is fixable. Um, You know, holding – everybody knows what a holding is. 
you, you can't you can't hook somebody around the neck. I saw that in the game. Whenever somebody is trying to pull away from you and run the opposite direction, you cannot physically hold his jersey. That is illegal. Can't do it. Uh, the defensive pass interference. Told you last week, Alabama's going to grab and hold. That's what they do. I don't know who the hell's coaching it, uh, it but it's piss poor. Whether it's Charles Kelly, Nick Saban, it's shit. Um, and uh, you know, I, Nick Saban continues to say where he just wants it to be called consistently, but he's not going to. Uh, you, you can like this or not. You got a fifteen-year dynasty. You think the refs don't have favorite teams? These are dudes that play the game of football. They know the game of football. They watch it. They probably have a bookie. Uh, I mean, you think these guys aren't just as tired of the dynasty as everybody else? Because I promise you, like, there's any non-Alabama fan doesn't – like, they want the dynasty to the end. I promise you. And, yes, you might have some people that respect the dynasty, maybe guys like Cole Clad or whatever or whoever. But they all want it to end. Like, there's some people that straight out hate Alabama. We get it. That's a majority. Um, but uh, I, I think that everything's fixed. Uh, you know, you, you can't – you're going to get bad calls. I understand those. And, yes, there were some, and there were some non-calls. We'll go over those later. But the false start, that's on you. The offsides on defense, that's on you. Look down at your feet. Look where the ball – that should never happen, ever. Um, that is simply just being undisciplined on both sides of the ball. I understand pass interference. Sometimes you're going to get tangled up with the guy. I understand that. I can yeah, I can see that happening. But, you know, when it's consistently just bad play and, and you're not looking for the ball, and, and you know, the, as far as the secondary goes, back up. How many times did I say that last week? Back up. How many times did I tell Dad? How many times did I tell you all during the game whenever I could get a text out? Back up. It doesn't matter if you're in man-to-man defense. Get um, Lester, you know a lot about football. Let me ask you a question. What's worse for a defense, giving up a 25-yard completion or a 65-yard touchdown? Uh, the tutty every time. That's what I would think, too. So even though you're in man-to-man, if you, ca- if you give up a 25-yard pass downfield, if he runs literally a 25-yard sit-down route, then – Give it to play the next play. You just never know. Play the next play. But when you literally have guys out of a stack set, stacks and motions have killed Nick Saban for two years, Pete Golding, Nick Saban, whoever, both of them. I'm putting the blame on both of them, not just Golding. Stack sets and motions have killed him for two years. Texas A&M has killed him for two years. They just didn't have a damn quarterback this year, uh, and their top receiver was out. But – Tennessee, they have, you know, wide split, stacking it up, just literally running right by people. And that's a shame. And the fact that you won't play a little zone and you won't zone blitz somebody, and the fact that mo- most of the game in the second half, you brought, what, three guys because you, you were so scared of Malik running? Guys, I'd rather him run for 20 yards and give up a 70-yard touchdown. It's J-Law, let me ask you this. The three-two-six that you see Ole Miss ran last year, Cincinnati ran it. It's predicated on what keeping everything in front. Yeah, you might give up four hundred rushing yards because there's literally nobody in the box to stop the run. 
But against an offense like Tennessee, do you think something that's something that can slow it down just a little bit? It's literally three, two, six. Let them run. If they want to run for 400, go ahead. But at least, you know, it's going to keep them from scoring 50 freaking points because at least you're making them stay on the field a little bit longer, even though they're probably going to go fast. That might have been a defense that you should have taken a look at this week. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I know Nick Saban's scheme is Nick Saban's scheme, and whoever the D.C. is is going to run it, but you can still plan. And the, the plan was bad, but I, the three two six, I think for Alabama, it's not, not a bad – should not be a bad play. You're supposed to have elite linebacker play, which is what that that whole three through six is going to be predicated on what your middle linebackers are going to be able to do. Um, you know, they, they just didn't – they didn't do anything to put this defense in a position to be successful. Anytime that DeMarco Hellams is going to be one-on-one with somebody, he's going to get beat. And I really wasn't worried about – here's the thing. We didn't have time for to be worried about if Tennessee was going to run the ball on us or not because they were – I mean, literally, guys, they had eight possessions that ended in points. They had the ball for, what, 22 minutes? They averaged a score every 2.7 minutes on those scoring drives. We're, we're just giving it up, giving it up. So you guys are exactly right. Keep these guys in front. You don't know what's going to happen. Hinton Hooker showed you that under pressure, he will throw it up for grabs. He did it twice, and one of those got taken off the board for whatever reason. But, I mean, we, we really the only mounted pressure on him three or four times, got one sack. They credited us with no QB hurries. We didn't do anything to affect the quarterback. And when you have an offense like that with Josh Heupel, dude, he could have ran Silicaga High School's offense out there, and he would have found a way to score some points because that's what that offense is, is meant to do. So I don't think we did anything on the defensive side of the ball to put our guys in position to make any plays. Um, you know, we did get some stops. We made some boneheaded plays, but um, – I don't know. I just, I've just still – I haven't rewatched the game. I've mentally rewatched it, and I still just can't think of anything we did to put any of our guys on defense in a position to where they could make any plays to stop what this Tennessee offense was doing. And that's, that's really the problem for me because you got Saban making 10, Golding making 1.5, Bill O'Brien making whatever he's making, plus the highest-paid coaching staff in America from top to bottom. You have Grantham is on our coaching staff, who's been a defensive coordinator in the SEC for, feels like, 20 years. You have Sal Sanceri is still on this staff. Charles Kelly has been a defensive coordinator for a national championship team in Florida State. Freddie Roach is a great defensive mind. T-Rob is supposed to be one of the best cornerbacks coaches in the country. You have what is supposed to be an elite coaching staff and support staff. Sal Sanceri and, and, and Grantham and all these guys, they're not even on, on the field roles. And the consensus was to run this plan out here and stop Tennessee. That's just kind of what pisses me off in this whole grand scheme of this game. I know this game doesn't really matter in the long term, but that's what kind of what kills me. And I understand having confidence in your guys. I mean, you know, my guys better than your guys. I've got four or five-star players on defense. But the fact is you've got a committed or converted safety playing cornerback that we've been screaming to get off the field for three weeks now. We have won. He had a Arnold played a good game against Texas. Other than that, he's been dog shit. And they continue to roll this guy out there. I did send y'all the tweet. I don't know if our listeners saw it, but um, it, it said that they targeted him seven times and Helms what six. Those are the top two on the team. They only went after Kool Aid one time. They wanted no part of Kool Aid McKinstry on this because they were like, 
he's a pretty solid cover guy. He's their best cover guy. So let's just attack everybody else. Let's attack the weak links. And they knew we were going to run man and it absolutely backfired. Um, so terrible job or terrible plan. Like you said, J law, but also th- there were no adjustments made. What did they punt one time? I mean, they gave us a touchdown in the third quarter or fourth quarter, whenever, whenever they, uh, they dropped the ball right there on the five yard line and Turner picked it up and ran it in. Um, offensively Lester tell me what you thought about this because me personally I've got Bill O'Brien slowly getting back on my shit list man and I know a lot of people gonna be like, score 49 points well you scored 42 this defense was so bad there's no reason to punt against this team ever I mean they were they were okay at stopping the run guys they had no chance of stopping the pass we threw it 52 times the fact that we didn't throw it 65 is ridiculous that was the only way we were moving the ball down the field. They had no pass rush. The only way they could get to Bryce was an all-out blitz. They got no pressure with four or five guys. And uh, and and we we beat one-on-one coverage, and we found holes in the zone. We did a really good job with our receivers. Yeah, there were you know, three or four drops that were big in the game. Um, but offensively, Lester, what did you think of Bill O'Brien's plan? I didn't do a formation breakdown because – um, we weren't supposed to record tonight. We we're supposed to wait till Thursday, but so I didn't do a formation breakdown. I went back and rewatched it really quick. But uh, Lester, tell me what you thought about the offense and the game plan that Bob had and, and the execution of it. You're right. It was it was Bama should not have been stopped under any circumstance. But once again, I think that Bob gets a little tight. He gets a little tight, and what does he do? He brings back that bunch crap. He brings back the bunch crap. Running spread, no team in America should stop this offense, period. Um, there's just on top of maybe not having the best play calling, on top of maybe not having the best scheme, we have the most inconsistent group of wide receivers I've ever seen. And it it blows my mind. Um, that means skill player shit. Let's put the tight ends in here too. It just blows my mind from drop passes. Once again, Latu, if he can just put a finger on a soul, we may have another 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown run. But no, he can't block worth the crap. If we had five Gibbs on the field, then if this offense didn't score 70 points a game, it would have been a mistake. He is the only one outside of Bryce on offense that has a prayer of making something out of nothing. He is the only one. Everyone else does the bare minimum. They're not going to break any tackles. Hell, they barely catch the damn ball. So, I mean, it's 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 really frustrating because, like, like J Law has said a thousand times, he's probably going to say it again tonight. We are wasting Bryce Young. Hate to say it, but it, it, it's true. He's right every time he says it. Um, it's just it it's it's inexplainable. And yet they still score 42 points a game. That's what's so frustrating about it. Literally, if it's if it's if it's one of us three, any other OC in America, he will be scoring 70 points a game. I don't I, I it's it's crazy. I don't know. This offense needs another playmaker, and the fact that it is what halfway through the season and no other guy has stepped up. Not Brooks, not JoJo. He's only been back for two games. I mean, Prentice looks good for the first what week, week or two of the season. Then he came back and had a a pretty decent game. 
who who's the guy that's going to step up and set themselves apart other than Gibbs? That's I I think on top of all the other stuff that is severely what this team is missing is just one more playmaker to you know get eyes on that guy whenever he's on the field and that'll help free up everybody else. But one of the bigger issues is you still got Burton and Holden taking up all the snaps. They're 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 trickling into the uh, the Slade Bolden role last year for me, as in. These guys are clearly not our best options, yet they continue to get most of the snaps. I don't care if you're a senior. I don't care if you've been here three or four years. I don't care if you won a national championship last year. I don't care what your story is. Play the best players. Nick Saban has preached that for 15 years. The best players will play. We love competition. Bullshit. Can't tell me Jermaine Burton's a top four receiver on this team. And uh, there must be freaking Randy Moss in practice because what I'm seeing on Saturday as far as his his effort and blocking downfield, I mentioned that last week, his route running. saw a lot of things on the message boards this, this past week about his how terrible his route running is. And, uh, and Bryce is throwing it to him less and less, <laughs> which means – I mean, he's only getting maybe two or three targets a game now, which means that he's a guy that you just kind of trot with man-to-man and basically play 10 on 10 or 10 on nine minus a quarterback. Um, JoJo's got to get more looks in the, in the offensive scheme and Prentice, but let's just what we were talking about last year or last week is the fact that you don't have that top dog this year. You don't have that alpha receiver, but you've got a bunch of good players. I think JoJo is a really good receiver. I think Brooks had a great game. He made a couple of great catches, um, Latu can't block for shit, but made some good play. He dropped the touchdown on third down, but he, Bryce went right back to him and he caught it on fourth down. Um, but he made some really good catches on that little corner route he did, um, which I like. I like that play. Bryce throws that very well. Latu does a good job of, of catching that ball and and had some really good concentration catches. Um, who else? Prentice, you know, grabbed nine balls. It just seems like Holden and Burton are the two that's kind of setting everybody back and. And Saban made a comment in his press conference today about maybe we need to we need to get some guys some more or maybe get some more guys in the rotation. I don't know what position he's talking about. I don't know if that's DB, receiver, offensive line, or what. But yeah, I still like the receivers. I just think that Burton and Holden are getting way too many snaps. I think Law should be playing more. He had a tremendous catch off of that slot fade that he ran early in the game. And but as as far as the scheme, Bama's on the Tennessee 32 with 34 seconds to go. And it's first down, and you lose the game. The play calling at the end of the game is inexcusable. I don't know if it's Bill O'Brien, if it's Nick Saban. Saban was like, Well, we the only way we've been able to move the ball is by throwing it. You don't have to move the ball, you can take a knee. I would rather Reichert attempt a 54-yarder at the horn than attempt a 49-yarder with 20 seconds left and leave any time on the clock for these guys. Your defense has shown no signs that they can stop anything downfield, whether you're soft, whether you're tight, whatever it is. You You haven't shown a pulse in the back half of your defense, so there's no chance you ever leave them with any time on the clock there, especially on third and 10. 
and you throw it three straight guys. Bill O'Brien does nothing to get guys open. Tennessee guys, go back and watch that game. Tennessee ran zero safeties on that last drive. Once they got to a certain point, it was to me. I was telling Dad, I was like, they're daring us to score too quick. They're they're coming after Bryce with no safety help. And their mindset is I'm either going to get a sack and I can get a timeout and force a punt. I can maybe get a get a, a strip sack, you know, maybe get a fumble out of Bryce. Or they're going to break off a big play because we're one-on-one with no help and they're going to score. And then we get the ball back with whatever, a minute and a half left. That's what it seemed like the Tennessee defense corner's mindset was. And that's pretty embarrassing. Whenever you get to third and 10, you've got 25 seconds left or whatever, that you don't just run a quarterback sneak, get a yard, and just line it up. And then you let them, you make them waste, either waste a timeout or you run the clock down, and you make them waste their timeouts on trying to ice you. But in, 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 under no circumstances do you leave any time on that clock for a team to, to get two plays off with two timeouts and come down the field and beat you. Bill O'Brien does nothing to get guys open. Every big play from Alabama comes from Bryce moving in the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield. All of our big plays in this game, you know, except for maybe a couple, came from Bryce's maneuvering the pocket, maybe getting out of some sacks, running around, and then finding a guy downfield or, you know, just a check down that went for a while. I mean, get look, you don't have to have elite talent to scheme guys open. Does everybody understand that? You don't have to have Jameson Williams. You don't have to have Alvin Kamara. You don't have to have stud players. Sure, it helps. Yeah. I mean, Sark had a pretty easy job with that offensive line, Matt Jones, Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, John Mechie. Sure. But you don't have to have elite players to scheme guys open. Ole Miss doesn't have any first-round receivers. Ole Miss does not have a first-round quarterback. And guess what Kiffin does? Kiffin gets guys wide ass open. I sent y'all a couple of uh of TikTok or of TikToks today. And one of them was an old miss guy off of a G counter fate. They just run back, just out of the backfield. Nobody followed him because everybody's playing the run because of the deception and the play design. That's all Lane Kiffin. A lot of times under start, Devonta Smith would run a slot fade. And he wouldn't do anything crazy special, but they, they would have a guy running a slant on the outside, whoever it was, whether it was Slade or Mechie or whoever, and that slant guy's responsibility was to just knock the DB off this track just a little bit. And, yeah, Devonta had great speed, and I understand all that, but just that play design and that outside receiver knowing, okay, my job, I'm not necessarily getting the ball here. This is a one-read play. But my job is to get that guy off of his track and get Devonta as much space created as possible. They ran that a lot. Just because Alabama doesn't have elite receivers doesn't mean that Bill O'Brien gets a pass for having a piss-poor offensive scheme. Without nine creating offense himself, Bama scores, what, 21 points Saturday? Maybe. I mean, like I said earlier, that defense was so bad. They were missing their starting safety and starting corner. Alabama should have never punted. It felt like seven or eight straight possessions. They started off with a run with Gibbs on first down. They got two to three yards. Me and my dad were up in the upper deck in the end zone calling the damn plays. That's pretty sad. That's stuff that's old and that's tiring. Bill O'Brien had one good quarter game plan-wise against Arkansas. 
and now it's back to the same old stuff. So, J-Law, offensive take, you got mine, you got Lester. So, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, listen, I, I'm – not that I want to go in on Bill O'Brien, but I just think that even down when we kicked the two field goals in the first half, we got to do something. I mean, if you're going to dial something up ever, you know you're not going to win this game kicking field goals. When we kicked them, I told everybody at Evan Wright's, I was like, we're not winning this game kicking these field goals. You're talking about if you find a way to score a touchdown against that piss poor defense, you're right. They're, they're bad. They're really bad. You find a way to score two touchdowns right there. Dude, you, you got 63 on the board, if not more, on the road. And we're kicking field goals against a bad defense. We're dropping balls. That's our receivers aren't great, but you're 100% correct. When you're playing with Sark, when you're watching Kiffin, when you're watching Heupel, when you're watching Lincoln Riley's little brother at TCU, no, all these guys don't have elite talent. Scheme gets these guys open based off what the defense is doing, and it feels like every throw Bryce makes has to be on the money. Every time he rolls out of the pocket, he's eluding somebody, then he's putting something in Latu's face mask with a hand outstretched right in front of because we're not running anything to get dudes open. I miss throwing to wide open guys. That used to be us. What Tennessee just did, that used to be us. To Devontae, Jerry, Judy. Y'all, do y'all realize when we did it with Sark, Waddle was out. We had one receiver. John Mechie was kind of a, you know, he was kind of just there. Kind of was like he was. Everybody knew it was going to six. I mean, nobody guarding Slade or freaking Miller Forrestall. Exactly. So it's like that. I mean, everybody knows. So, I mean, but to me, the, the down the stretch stuff is all on Saban. He has it under control. He knows what's supposed to happen in that situation. Yeah, first and 10 at the 32 yard line. And this is my only complaint really for, for this game with Bill O'Brien, because I know some of the stuff we ran didn't work, but that's what are we going to do now about Bill O'Brien? I didn't like Bill O'Brien had a top five scoring, uh, scoring offense and then, you know, scored 20 in this game with his starting quarterback. He didn't do what Pete Golding and Nick Saban did with his defense in this game. But don't, I think you added pressure to Will Reichard in that kick, knowing that if he doesn't make it, Tennessee's got 20 seconds left. I think there's less pressure on Reichard if, hey, man, there's five seconds on the clock. If you dick this field goal, we're going to overtime. Okay. Yeah, you okay. can't lose us the game. There's physically no way you can lose us the game. But, you know, if you miss, it's probably going to be around 15 seconds left, and they got two timeouts. They can do some damage. So, I mean, go I ahead and knock this one through. This, this is a little bit bigger than, than it could have been. And I know Burton may have sat down or did, should have sat down or didn't or didn't kind of – straighten out his route, whatever. I know Bryce was kind of yelling at him. I know Gibbs dropped the ball. But I just think, man, if you get four yards right there and move it towards the middle of the hash, in between the hashes somewhere, I mean, Riker missed it a yard and a half to the right. I know he might want to kick it from the right hash. The kick and stuff, but there's no way you kick that ball with any time left on the clock. We should have called a timeout with two seconds left on the fourth down and kicked it through the uprights. And listen, uh, Bill O'Brien said, I mean, if Gibbs catches the ball, it's probably a touchdown. If Burton runs the right route, we're kicking that ball from the 10-yard line. I get it. I get it. But we we just – we did too many things in this game that weren't the referees to leave Tennessee hanging around. We won the turnover battle, two to one. We both – both teams got seven off turnovers. Alabama's defense gets us a turnover, and then we come out with a did, – did we get a first down or did we go three and out? I know we didn't do anything with the football. Yeah, we so, got one first down. So we ran five offensive plays and and punted it back to him. So 
Uh, it's a lot. I mean, we could talk about it all day or all night or whatever, but I, it's an overall piss-poor performance on the road. And this is not the Alabama of old. told you guys last week that we've had a special teams game, Arkansas. We had a game where we couldn't score anything on offense. And we were all we needed was the trifecta of our defense giving up 50-plus points. And it's happened. All three of those things happened in three weeks. So maybe we can get all that out of the way, stop shitting the bed. And, and this is really where it matters. You got State, LSU, Ole Miss, Auburn. Win those games, you're in Atlanta. So we'll see what we can do. Will Anderson saying in his player interview today that the team was anxious. They had anxiety before the game. Uh, unless you're not sure about you, I'm I'm a little tired of the excuses. I'm tired of Will Anderson. I'm tired of Will Anderson talking, talking a just, whole bunch of shit and then doing nothing on Saturday. And but yeah, yeah. If you want to use the rest and as an excuse, go ahead because that's at least a little justified. But every time Alabama loses or doesn't play well, they have some kind of excuse. Uh, you know, that to me, what I see, Lester, that means you got no dog in you. Yep. What, dogs don't get anxious. Yep. Dogs see their moment and they attack. 2015, Georgia, the Georgia game, was that 38 to 10? Was that right? Bama was on the road. It was in the rain. Uh, they actually were actually – Favor or underdogs, I believe, it was like right at kickoff or whatever, and like like minus one or minus a half, whatever. Um, they went on the road and just dominated those guys. You know why? Because they had dogs. Yep. They had Jake Coker, Derek, Rid, Eddie Jackson, Ruben, Reggie. I mean, I, I don't know if y'all seen the Redeem team on Netflix. It's a must-watch. You got to go watch it. Uh, it's about the 2008 Olympics in Beijing after um, the U.S. was embarrassed by Argentina in 2004. And in that gold medal game, they're playing Spain, who's just as good as the U.S. They were a very good team. And D. Wade is is, is kind of – he was coming off the bench. He had had an injury that year. LeBron and um, – Kobe are the top two dogs. They're the alphas. They both get two quick fouls in that game. So you got to sub in D Wade off the bench. He's coming off knee surgeries, had a shoulder issue. And uh, he's talking about, he said, they asked him if he was nervous. And he said, absolutely not. He said, I, he said, I knew that it was just my time to shine. And it was time, it was time to go get him. He ended up having like 18 first half points and really kept the, kept the USA in the game until Kobe and Braun were able to come back in, in the second half. And he said there wasn't any time for nervousness. It was just time to dominate. That's a dog right there. That's that's what you want. For you to sit here and blame it on anxiety, if you're going to be anxious, fine. After the first play, after you get hit and those butterflies just disappear, and you should just settle down and play the game. That's such bullshit to hear that. Lester, the excuses, they're just not working for me anymore. It's not. It's trash. Garbage. You know, you know why Saban plays man coverage? It's because he is banking on his DBs getting enough time covered for long enough for his defensive line for the consensus top three pick in the NFL draft to get to the damn quarterback. And you know why? Bama's getting straighted up because 31 and and Turner and those guys, they ain't getting the job done. You know, what 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 happened to you know? I, I've said that I said this a couple years ago. I said Alabama can't walk up and show up to the stadium 
and say boo and like scare the other team. I'm like, they're going to go tuck and run. That ain't happening anymore at all. And it's an indictment on Saban. He's let this happen. Coordinators, he's let this happen. And the players now they're just, they're just soft. I mean, what happened is going in, wanting to kick the shit out of people and go home. Like, I remember one instance, like, and this particular interaction that I had a decade ago, it would not happen now. I went to Ole Miss, the same game that T. Rich juked that dude out of his shoes. I went to the Ole Miss Student Center to get something to eat before the game, and just talking to the the girl who was serving me or whatever, and she was like, you know you guys are going to beat the shit out of us today? That's what she said to me. You know what? That would not happen anywhere in America now. You know why? Because nobody is afraid of Alabama anymore. Nobody. Nobody's worried. We're the nervous team now. Can you believe that shit? Alabama is the nervous team now. Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. You've had a a couple slip-ups over the years. Alabama has lost, what, six games on the road or something like that? And why are we the team that's been hunted? You know what I mean? Why? Yeah, every time Alabama comes to the stadium, every time somebody comes to Brian Denny, it is their Super Bowl. I get that. Everybody here gets that. But why? What what changed that mindset? Why are we being the hunted now? We're the prey. We are. They're coming for our ass. Instead of us having the mindset, no, we're Bigfoot here. We're the king of this mountain. You can come for us, but you ain't getting up here. Sure, Alabama loses. They slip up here and there, but it is an indictment. It is crazy, scary. The scariest thing is that other teams are not afraid of Alabama anymore. That is the scare. I don't care about coordinators, Saban, players. The worst thing, the biggest threat to Alabama going forward this season and Nick Saban's tenure is that no one is afraid of us anymore. And it used to be that way, but it's not joyless murder ball. It's not, you know, fighting each other, fighting players. Barrett Jones wanted to choke AJ McCarron on the field up 42 to 14. Could you imagine that happening now with anybody on this team? It's just, so much stuff has slid because they're successful, they're Alabama won, and things have gotten relaxed. And you know, it's just it's just it's just different now. And and that's the biggest threat to the dynasty is just people aren't scared of Alabama anymore. It's just not a thing anymore. The biggest threat to our dynasty is I'm telling y'all, this defense takes on the personality of its defensive coordinator. You want to go who look who's fighting on the sideline? Georgia just got in a fight like two weeks ago during the Missouri game. They got fighting on the sideline the, on defense because they gave up two, what they thought was too many points. And what they gave, I think it was six on the scoreboard. Missouri kicked two field goals, and they were popping pistols ready to shoot each other on the Georgia sideline. This defense takes on the personality of laid-back, curly-haired, scraggly-ass, Pete Golding, who's irresponsible, drinking and driving while you make $1.5 million, an embarrassment to the University of Alabama. That's who this defense plays like. This guy has no fire. Saban doesn't have it either. But listen, I'm telling y'all, 
when Saban was here, yeah, he chewed some ass. It was easy to chew Lane Kiffin's ass when your defense was giving up, you know, set, uh, less than 17 and he was struggling to beat Arkansas. And we, he just blatantly wouldn't listen. But whose ass is Saban going to chew now? Pete's right beside him. But guys, this is Saban's defense. You have Saban's defense and a defensive coordinator that doesn't inspire this team at all. And you want to, do you think those guys have any more faith in Pete Golding after Saturday? After he put them in no position to, to win the ball game or to get any stops to help our offense out? No. If you're DeMarco Hellams and Jordan Battle and a lot of these guys, you're thinking, dude, this guy, he's a, this guy's a chalkboard genius. He has no idea how to call a football game. Pete Golding has relied on superior talent since he's got here and he's had a few of these games. And um, I, just, I just think they play to the level of their defensive coordinator, which is not good enough. And the offense is a different story because Bryce Young is the best player to ever wear a jersey at Alabama. I don't care. Maybe the only player that I'll say is up there, Derek Thomas, just because of how crazy dominant he was. But Joe Willie, Kenny Stabler, A.J. McCarron, Tua, Mack, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry. I don't care. Nate, list them all. Go back to the 40s, 50s, 60s. I don't care. Leroy Jordan, don't care, dude. Bryce Young is the best player that's ever played here, and that is the only reason our offense looks the way it does. But this defense and the tenacity and all the stuff that goes with it, we lack all that from the top down, and that's why our defense plays. They, they play small. They play scared. They come out of the tunnel. They piss down their leg, like Coach 30 likes to say, and um, they showed it to you on Saturday. They came out tight, playing with anxiety. Are you kidding me? You know, the best way to play with – Stop playing with things. I'd have a Will Anderson do something. How about Will Anderson go tell coach, hey, stop dropping me in coverage. Let me go get the quarterback. Can you imagine being Will Anderson sitting in last week's game plan with Dallas Turner saying, oh, I'm going to spy this week? Dude, that's what are you doing? I, I'm getting paid to hit the quarterback. That's why you have a deal with Roback and all your NIL deals. Nobody wants to see you knock a pass down. Go put pressure on the quarterback. And this guy, he. He's four days off of saying Alabama's still the standard. Dude, I, I hope Bryce Young went in the locker room, told every one of those guys to spread their leg and just kicked every one of those guys in the dick on defense after the game. Just you, you, you got they they're bad. They're horrible. And I just I will Anderson, I don't know how much more shit he can talk this year in every interview. We're the standard. We're a great defense. Oh, we're good. Dude, you might be good. But nobody else on this team is playing up to at least the, what you say they are. And you're the leader of this defense. I, we got to see some more production out of all of these guys. But Will Anderson, I think it kind of got to start with him. And I'm not harping on Will Anderson. He did not get put in a position to make any plays this week either because Pete Golding is a loser when it comes to calling a defense. Um, but he's got to step up and say, I'm going to get the quarterback. Coach, put me on the end of the line. Let me get the quarterback. Let me make a play. Let me instill some confidence into the rest of my team. And I don't think any of that stuff happened this week. A chalkboard genius has no idea how to call a game. I like that. It's, that actually makes a lot of sense because you hear guys talk and they, they sound great. And he does in his interviews. But if you can't stop it on the field, what's it matter? And at some point, see, Will Anderson's – I think he's a leader. But I don't think he's that feared leader that Alabama had with guys like like Ruben and even Reggie Ragland, Ronnie Harrison. I know they're all on the same team, which is crazy. That's why probably why they were fighting. It's because you had multiple alphas on that team. Henry T is not alpha. Henry T's like, I mean, borderline kind of a bitch if you think about it. I mean, he's 
he's I don't know he's soft he's no Orlando McClain he's he's not the prototypical Alabama middle linebacker that we've had before him let me say that and in the back end you know I think Eddie did more than people realized but Will Anderson I think he's our clear-cut leader but he's not feared Jordan Battle may be a leader and Helms may be a leader, but they're not feared by anybody. And until your teammates literally fear you, and see, like it, it's hard for Will Anderson. I understand that because I understand how easy it is for an offense to double team somebody, especially when you're not doing anything different. And then you start dropping them in coverage, it's inexcusable. But whenever he is roughing the passer, I understand how easy it is to have a back, be like a magnet on him wherever he is. That's where he goes. If he stunts inside, boom, you go hit him inside. If you're a tight end, boom, you go chip him. Uh, a, a simple chip can knock you off of your pass rush by two and a half, three seconds, dude. It's not easy to get off of those, especially if you're what, you, what you're dominant at is what? The speed rush off the edge, which is what Will predicates himself on. It's, it's too easy to chip. It's too easy to neutralize a defensive end. But the fact that he's not going, like you said, to Pete Golding, to Nick Saban, saying this is crap, we need got to do something different, and not just that, but going to his teammates, chewing people out in the secondary, going to Dallas Turner, Byron Young, Tim Smith, DJ Dale, because there's three or four guys rushing the basher, not just him. And what have we said preseason? Oh, I, I predict Dallas Turner to have a field day because what? Will's going to be double teamed all year. Dallas Turner should get a lot of one-on-one opportunities. You can't double-team two guys because if you bring four, and if you, even if you've got six blocking, you know, and four of those guys, and you got two-on-two, two, and that's just disappointed in Dallas Turner, disappointed in Will Anderson for not being the feared leader that I thought he would be. Let me say that. And that's what's disappointing to me. We haven't had a good def- – y'all, y'all realize even in 2020 – we gave up 48 to Ole Miss, whatever it was. Florida almost beat us in the SEC title game oh, going man, up. Because yeah. we haven't had a good defense. We let Stetson Bennett put 38 on us last year. I mean, we it isn't like that we've had a, a, a great defense, and this is Pete Golding's slip-up. This is from 2018 to – I guess that's Tosh, 2018, to yeah. Pete Golding, 19 – 20, 21, and 22. Yeah. We have not had a good defense this whole time. No, and, but I'm not a, necessarily talking about the defense. I'm just talking about the defensive players. I get the mentality. The, the, dogs yeah. that we, the dogs that we lack because I think that helps. And, and you know, scheme is scheme. I understand you got to have a good scheme. You got to have players go make plays. But, I mean, you just never know. Because, hell, if I'm a corner – and I know if I commit another pass interference, Will Anderson's going to chew my ass and maybe put his hands on me. <laughs> I might get a little – I might, you know, butthole might tighten up a little bit. And I might I might tighten up myself, might tighten up my play. But um, that was just my point. It's how I, I just don't think anybody's feared on this defense. And it goes back to what I was saying about just not having any dogs on the team. Uh, incredibly frustrating the way Alabama plays. Lester Quandarius Robinson – if you saw that guy in an alley, what would you do to him? One of the worst plays I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, did he just go brain dead? Can I've you, never can, seen that happen. Because it doesn't look like he had any intention on returning that ball forward. 
Lester, is it possible? Because I, I started thinking, I was like, I was, I think he was, he was thinking he was on the punt team and he was trying to down the ball. I think he just went brain dead. Is that possible? What do you, what do you think uh, happened there? And that, that one of the dumbest plays that we've had all season, except for when Niblet about hit them Henry T in the face with the punt snap against Arkansas. But anyway, go ahead. I don't, I don't know. That's the most baffling thing ever. It's so, so for, I don't know what he was thinking. It was so insane. I don't know what he was thinking. I can't even give you a, a what if maybe or, it, I don't know, just, just, just dicked his mind. Whatever happened, something happened. He went brain dead. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a head scratcher for sure. Um, definitely one of the most pivotal plays in the game. I just, I don't know. His his anxiety was acting up. That's what we'll say. Yeah, his anxiety. Uh, J Law. Last thing we'll talk about. Lester, I get your opinion on it too. Got to mention the referee play in this game and. Like we said before, Gump Runners is never going to blame a game on the referees. But at the same time, as much as Alabama did to lose the game with their dumb special teams plays, uh, their dumb penalties that were warranted, you know, your fault starts holding stuff like that. The refs still had four, five, six legit calls that either they missed that favored Tennessee or that they called that helped Tennessee um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about these are just regular guys. They're they're um they're fans of the game. They have favorite teams, and no matter who it is, you might be a Utah fan, but even a Utah fan is tired of seeing Alabama winning. You're like, I want to enjoy a national championship that doesn't have Alabama in it. You know, what I mean, everybody's thinking that way because if you're not an Alabama fan, you might respect the dynasty, but you still want it to end. You might respect Nick Saban, but you're still ready to see him go. On Saturday, there are 129 FBS teams that won. Nobody lost on Saturday because when Alabama loses, America wins. They're like, they become the same standard as the Cowboys and the Yankees and Duke basketball. I mean, you either love them or you hate them. Auburn gets beat by two touchdowns to fall to three and four. Don't know how the hell they still have a head coach. They're ranked like 65th in recruiting, like last in the SEC. Yet they won a national championship on Saturday. We will get we will get more listeners that listen to this podcast than we have since like week one, simply because Alabama lost the game and they want to come on here and listen to us suffer and, and bitch and moan, which they've gotten a bunch of it so far. Um so should there be better screening for referees, particularly in Alabama games? And you hate to say that, but at this point, it, it is what it is. The PI flag at the end was thrown when Kool-Aid was damn near at the 30-yard line. What did he pick it off? Two yards deep in the end zone? And it was originally like a blindside block that they called, but it just magically turned into a defensive pass interference. And as bad as Alabama played, that immediately changed the outcome of the game. Because you're looking at Bama having the ball on the Tennessee like 20 yard line or something, with like th- right just over three minutes to go. Tennessee's got two timeouts. You run even if you run the ball three times and kick a field goal, you're looking at Tennessee being down 10 with what a minute and a half to go. So yeah, that one call completely changed the game. There has to be something that can be done to make sure you're getting the right refs 
Because when you're dealing with a 15-year dynasty, there's bound to be some dislike for a certain team. And I really, yeah, it's going to sound like I'm complaining. I kind of am. But at the same time, if you really break it down, what I'm saying makes sense. J-Lo, what's your take on that? Yeah, listen, I, I think that there's way too much money in SEC football. And SEC football is way too important to have guys that get done teaching school on Friday, get in their car, go to the airport, fly to Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh yeah. After they just ref the middle school football game on Tuesday and, and, and then do the other things and then fly to Tennessee and be the referees for the biggest game in college football, regular season this year. I, I think that there's, it's, I don't care what other conferences do pay these dudes enough money to where you feel like if they fuck up, you can tell them to hit the road, number one. And number two, pay them enough money that that warrants you getting NFL quality, NFL tier referees. Because there's no, there's, there's no reason for any of these games to come down to anybody being able to uh, question the officiating. And guys, listen, this is another game where – Nobody held Will Anderson or Dallas Turner or Byron Young. Zero holding calls have been called against Alabama in Power 5 games this year. That's what I'm saying. You're listening to zero, not one. Texas, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. Four games. Four games. What's 60 times four? 240 minutes? Is it five? Have you played five? Oh, Vandy. Vandy. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, even Vandy didn't hold. (laughs) I mean, so five – Five games, 60 minutes a game, not one holding call has been called against Alabama or against the, the, an Alabama opponent. That's nuts. That's what I'm saying. So I just think that you got to there's, – there's too much money involved in all of this, and the game is too big to have guys that are running the peewee clock on, the, on Thursday nights and then coming to do SEC football games. And one of the biggest problems is the two best crews in the SEC – are white-hatted, which is the head official, by two guys who have been affiliated with the University of Alabama. So Alabama will never, ever get the best crew in the SEC. One of those guys is um, from around where I'm from. and he's, David Smith, is that who you're talking about? Um, I don't one of them is David Smith. He played like backup quarterback at Alabama. I don't know who the other one is. Yeah, uh, the, other, the other guy's name is Steve Marlowe. He, his kids go to Alabama – I mean, great guy, great guy, but so you're not going to get those guys. And when it, I think when it comes to like SEC championship play, like if Alabama's in it, they'll take the white hat off and give a different white hat and reward the crew for being as being a really good crew that year to be able to call that game. But Alabama's not going to get one of the best. They're not going to get the best crew. Number one, number two is that the, there has to be some type of accountability you we we make the coach answer questions we make players answer questions after the game there has to be some type of accountability i'll let lester ding in on this some type of accountability for the referees other than nick saban sending in video on a monday and then the sec office emailing and back and saying yeah we missed it there has to be some type of level of accountability to where these people feel like dude i gotta build my a game today because not only am I going to have to answer to Greg Sankey? And clearly the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to get 
fined or I mean or get suspended for one week, which is I know it's probably two thousand dollars or something. They make like fifty grand a year doing it or something. But pay these guys two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to be full time referees. Let them quit their job at the local car manufacturer plant, whatever it may be. Pay them enough money to where they feel like they're really good at their job because these guys they the clock hits zero. They're escorted off the field. They're escorted to a limousine. They're escorted or to, to a black Tahoe, probably with nine rows in it, to the airport and to their house. They, they, they have to answer no questions. No, nothing goes on. So it's, there has to be something to be done. And listen, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying these guys were wagering games, but how many times have we heard stories about refs? They're guys. They got a little change on this game, baby. I mean, they're dudes. Yeah, I don't care if Emma wins or loses, but they don't need to hit this minus seven and a half. So let me throw this freaking flag out here. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's that's just not out of the realm of possibility. And I think you can take those things out of the game by making these full-time paid employees and solve this issue. But listen, it was complete dog shit Saturday, Lester. I mean, dude, I know we committed some false starts. The jumped off sides, but dude, 17 penalties to six. They didn't hold, they were so flag happy. And I just think the Bryce Young, the targeting, we had to kick a field goal in that drive. Dude, we should have been in the end zone. We should have had first and goal at the six yard line. Well, that was some through. of my, my notable missed flags. I wrote some of them down and, and I'm sure I missed a bunch too. But yeah, having on a 25 going in with like 50 seconds left before halftime, uh, that gives Bama a first and goal from the 10. Um, the rule is, and Saban said this in his post game or his, his his press conference on Monday that the rule is you can't hit the quarterback in the head. And there was a, a couple of other times that Bryce did took a blow to the head, and, and he mentioned Malachi Moore was thrown out of the game on like the like the first drive last year against Texas A and M on the road when he jumped to like deflect a pass. Quarterback was out of the pocket and he threw it and he jumped to try to deflect the ball. And his arm came down and like hit the quarterback in the head incidentally. And he got thrown out of the game. And yet Tennessee's hitting Bryce three or four times on three or four different occasions. And it was um, the same the Ford, crew. Yeah, the Ford progress fumble was uh was terrible. I mean, that they allowed Tennessee to drive Gibbs back into the ground all night. They allowed Tennessee's offense to push the pile uh for as long as they wanted to. And then I all of a sudden, Bama gets three guys on a, on a running back, and the whistle blows. I mean, it, it was bang bang. That was that would have been a fumble. That would have been a huge turning point. Um, and then you know, I think the late, I think the call on Steen on the touchdown was late. And whenever Gary Danielson says late flag, it, he hates Alabama more than anyone. <laughs> and even he is 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 pointing out that it was a late flag. And then of course, you know the. The pass interference is on Branch and Malachi. I think both could have been – you could have looked the other way on, especially the Malachi one, but it's such a big play, such a late a late flag thrown. Lester, what do you have on the officiating in this game and just in general in the SEC, but particularly the the Texas and Bama game? Because I think Alabama's had 11 pass interference penalties this year, and our opponents have had three. And, of course, like I said earlier, we've been, uh, been called for nine holds to zero. And power five yeah. games. Yeah, the 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 disparity, the 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 calls, there there has to be some kind of research or deep dive done based on crews, calls, teams, and the calls, because it's not right. If 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 it's 
one crew biased for or against or another, then the SEC should, you know, address that situation. And number one, well, well, first of all, the big thing is I do not know that crews are crews. Like it's these eight group of people and they all rotate each other to every game. I didn't know that. Referee crews should be, okay, you eight or nine guys meet up at this point. It shouldn't be like, oh, hey, Tom, we got the Bama game this weekend. Okay, see you there. You know what I mean? I don't agree with that. That's not how that should go because that's how BS happens that wouldn't be happening. Like I said, like with the Texas A&M game last year, this game, and I'm sure if you go back in the past, Maybe, of course, Alabama's won, but there's been a, a, a penalty discrepancy. You could probably trace it back to this same particular crew. Well, it even sh- the Arkansas game, whenever Bo spiked the ball backwards, which, right. is a, which is a fumble, that was that crew also. And I know Bama wasn't affiliated in that game, but right. it just shows that not only, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a shit crew. And like, and, like, what other teams have referees associated with their school? I mean, you have 14 schools. Is is there a certain two or three guys that are affiliated with Georgia? Are they not allowed to work Georgia games? Probably. See, if, if pro- yeah, probably so. But you can't chase that around forever. You know what I mean? Because what's going to happen when – Bama, I mean, I'm sure it's like a rule or something, but if Georgia sucks, are those guys going to now be allowed to go back to ref Georgia? I mean, probably not, but still, like, are y'all getting that logic? It, it, it makes no That's sense. A good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Bama's, if Bama's going six and six every year, could David Smith and Steve Marlowe call our games? Like, is it, oh, I don't matter. But, right. since, you know, Bama's yeah, elite. Yeah, I, I, exactly, I, I exactly see what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. Bruce should rotate. Number one, I think J-Law's right. Make these guys pay professionals. Every team, how much is distributed between to every team in the SC every year? Like $40 million now? There's more than enough money in the SEC to not only put on the best college football product in the country, but we should have the best officiating crews in the country. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You you gotta have some kind of accountability because you know when you're getting people who can now there's a track record, you can trace this stuff back going a couple of years, it's fishy and it stinks. And the best you know football conference in America shouldn't have this negative demerit going against them, you know what I mean? Especially, especially coming from one of the most profitable one of the most notarized and arguably the, well, not arguably, but the best, you know, program in your conference, you know, I'm not saying Bama should get all the calls, but just call it fair. I mean, shit, like, you know, does it, know. do you think that people, cause of course there's a huge crowd out there. The Bama gets all the calls crowd, but if it was called consistently and called the same for everybody, would it not seem like Bama is getting more calls because they had better players. They're the best team. Is that where you, yeah, is that where you is that where you think people get that from? Probably. But see, the thing is, if if Auburn was in Alabama's situation, I wouldn't care if the, their game was called fair. Just call it fair. I don't care what team it is. It can be Georgia. It can be Ole Miss, even if they're playing 
against Alabama, just call it fair. I don't care who it is, Alabama, Arkansas, whatever, just call it fair and deal with the rest from there. If the game is called fair and Tennessee beat our ass, you know, 52 49, fine. That's okay. No. I can. I can deal with it. It's okay. But it's also a lot, a lot. It's also really frustrating as a fan. I think my biggest frustration is the fact that this team is scary good, scary good, but they can't get out of their own way. And I think yeah. all this stuff's fixable. I think there needs to be more ass chewings, uh, public ass chewings, uh, getting on somebody's ass uh, in front of a hundred thousand instead of behind closed doors, I think goes a lot farther and yeah, you're going to be perceived as a jerk or whatever, but I mean, you already are if you're Nick Saban. So what's it matter? And nobody's ever going to change their opinion on you is because of what you did 20 years ago. And there's videos of you making a guy from the dolphins cry and screaming at people on the sidelines with must champ. And then his, you know, screaming at Kiffin, all that stuff. You're, you're always going to be perceived like that. So why don't you just embrace it? Uh, but anyway, um, guys, poor Miss State. Feel bad for these boys. Two second year in a row, Mississippi State gets to play Alabama coming off of a loss. Last year it was 49 to 7 in Starkville this season. Coming off Mississippi State's worst outing of the year. I can't get really get a read on these guys, J Law. These guys are I want to say an all or nothing. If that offense is on, oh watch out, Siri. I don't I don't need you. Um this is it seems like this is an all or nothing offense in the fact that they've had games where they've just exploded and they're in the and they're scoring in the high 40s. And then there's games like LSU on the road, Kentucky on the road. They haven't played great on the road. Their offense got shut down. So what is your read on this Miss State team? I think they're good, but is this a team that can give Alabama any kind of threat, especially an Alabama team that's coming off of a loss just like last year? No, listen, I don't. I think Alabama covers in this game. I think it's 21 points right now, so that's the cover we're talking about. I wish we're going to come out fired up, I think. Um, it's it's one of those games that they just don't match up with us anywhere. In my, in my opinion, like they don't have stud receivers. They have a good quarterback. They have a a scheme, but it's not like hypo scheme. Like they're just – if you stop the pass, you win the game. And Alabama's already done that to Mike Leach twice, so – I don't really think this is going to be a game that's going to give us a lot of issues. Bryce Young playing. they We know they don't have any talent on the defensive side of the ball. That's just a fact. They do have a good defensive coordinator, though. He's a hot name for a lot of um, bigger jobs coming up. But Oh, bigger uh, jobs is in like a couple – like about 80 miles east? No, this no, he's not that good. But I think there's like people – Is he better than Pete Golden? I mean, come on. It's got to be, dude. You're better than Pete Golden. I wouldn't have given up 50. No chance. I'd have gone zone blitz and just like brought gas because I do. No, I ain't going back to Tennessee. We're moving on. But no, listen, I I don't think this is going to be a a game that's an issue for us going into a bye week, too. You know, you got to give this when you're all. Um, So, I mean, I kind of like this one. Just go ahead and quit score prediction. Coach Robert, an hour and 20 minutes. I'll go 42 to 10 in this game. I think Alabama runs away with it. Ooh, 42 to 10. I'm going to give. I'm going to go 49-24. I give them their offense a little bit more credit than that because, look, I, I think if Leach is, is any kind of offensive mind, then I think he is. You've got to motion. You've got to stack guys up and show me that you've learned how to defend it if you're Alabama. Now, I understand, like you said, they don't have the talent that Tennessee does, but 
the, it, you can still scheme guys open, just like we talked about. Their scheme helped a lot. And, uh, and I would try to replicate that as much as I can in a week's time period. But, yeah, going back-to-back road games in the SEC is tough. Your offense is not played well on the road. Uh, Alabama still got to stop the run with five, six guys in the box. Uh, and or Mississippi State's offensive line is not built to run the football. So I'm going to give 49-24. I still think it's a cover. It's a 25-point win. I think it's an easy cover. And this line came out at 23, and it's actually dropped to 21. So some money coming into Mississippi State. So if you're a betting guy, I'd wait. See if you can get this game at 19 and a half, maybe minus 20, then jump all over the tide. Let's see what you got for us this week is, you know, what you think about the Mississippi State game and give us the score prediction. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think Bama covers. I'll say 20, I'll say 45, 27, 45, 27. I think Leach, that hyper passing offense, I know he's been running the ball a little bit more this year. Um, but I think that at any time the pirate can go, you know, five wide and for 60 minutes or whatever, you know, and throw the ball all over the field because Bama has not proven. Tennessee just gave him the blueprint. Tennessee just gave a pass-happy offensive mastermind the blueprint on how to move the ball against us. I think they will score. They have the quarterback with the most completions, I believe, in SEC history. Um, He's good. They have a good quarterback. Now, defense, they probably can't stop a nosebleed. They won't be able to stop us. But I do believe that they will move the ball and score the football. If they score 30, it would not surprise me. But we'll see what kind of killer instinct this team has. Um, it shouldn't take a loss for it to come out. But we'll see how they respond, and it's going to be very telling on Saturday. J-Law, bet of the week. What do you have for us? Big one. I'm always going to give you a top 25 team. Not a top 25 matchup, though. I was bad. Ohio State is good. They're the best team in America to me right now. It's like 29, 29 and a half. Ohio State State will blow the doors (laughs) off of these guys. So if you want to take a big number but still feel confident in it, I'd go with Ohio State. Is that at Iowa? It's a, no, it's a it's in the horseshoe. So. Really? I think so. Yeah, that check line again. is low. That's a low line. It's a good pick. I'm going. How about this? I'm tired of did the disrespect for DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson. We're going to Oregon, getting six points for the Bruins, the undefeated Bruins, into the Alton Zoo to cover the six. Doing some things on defense to confuse. Heisman front runner Bo Nix. Go UCLA plus six. Let's hear what you got. Ooh, two games I'm looking at: Ole Miss and LSU, and Texas and Oklahoma State. Um, for the record, I'm going to say Ole Miss beats LSU on the road. Um, LSU is a one and a half point favorite, but I'm going to take Texas minus six on the road against Oklahoma State. I think Sark and Ewers. He's He's that dude, dude can freaking ball. So I'm going to take uh, Texas on the road. He beat Iowa by or Iowa State by four at home. Going to squeak one out. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It happens. <laughs> well, uh, appreciate y'all listening in. I know it's a it's a tough week. It's a tough weekend, but like we did in the last five minutes of our podcast, <laughs> you got to move on, man. <laughs> 
she got she got to put it behind you. Um, and uh, if you need somebody to vent to, give me a call, shoot me a DM on Twitter, whatever. We'll link up and uh, and let you vent it out because I understand it's tough. But guys, look, this happens every year. I mean, we're in the exact same position. Last week or last year, week six, you go on the road, you have a lead with like three minutes to go, you lose the game on a last second field goal, you go on to win the national championship. This week, week seven, uh, you're you're undefeated, you're on the road, um, you had the lead with like three minutes to go, and then you lose the game. So almost identical to what happened last year. So keep the faith. I know we're all upset the streak ended, but, you know, next year you get to start a new streak. They're probably bringing the true freshman quarterback into Bryant at New Stadium. We'll tap that ass, and, uh, and we'll get a new streak started. So save your cigars. Don't throw them away. Preserve them, and we'll smoke them in 365. All right, episode 74, Gump Hunters Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out of here. See you guys next week.